0: So I just want to peel off from our Acts intentions and just move into just a a simple question this morning is, like, what do we do in the face of chaos and uncertainty? Um, Is there perhaps a playbook for that? Um, And I I just feel like the Lord has been leading me to Psalm 130. I did it a little bit in the downtown group and Bayonne group. Um, talking about it this week, but I felt a little bit like a comedian getting some open mic nights Mm -hmm. and now with another opportunity to kind of firm up some ideas, okay? So we're in Psalm 130 and I just want to talk about this. Um, What is our hope as we face chaos and uncertainty, okay? What is our hope? And the sort of memorable thing I, I, I hope for us is that we would be as a fellowship um, we would become fellowship of of wave kissers wave kissers what does that mean i'll explain in a little bit but the movement of this passage i just want to point to three things right i want to point to three things about how we approach moments of great uncertainty i want to talk about three things i want to talk about the prepositions uh, prepositions of facing uncertainty okay okay and it's this. What we see in the passage in the moment of great uncertainty and chaos is an opportunity um, to experience a deeper intimacy with God. And we see that in three prepositions. The psalmist talks about to, for, and with. This movement through this passage of to you, God, for you, God, with you, God. Okay, to you, for you, with you. To you, for you, with you. Last week we talked about sut, a special supernatural, unnatural, tangible, and transformational fellowship. This week we're talking about to you, for you, with you. What is? How do we move through chaos? This is how we do it. Um, to you, for you, with you. We'll start with the first. Okay, um, out of the depths I cry to you, O oh Lord. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. When I say to you, I'm pulling out that little bit in, in, this, in, in this first verse. Out of the depths, I cry to you. Um, the, it, it very much talks about the location, like the emotional location of the psalmist. And also talks about the location that many of us found and find ourselves in at present. And, and the, the, the descriptor, the picture is out of the depths. In ancient Israelite thought, this is um, a picture of watery chaos, right? So they're an agriculture people. Agricultural people, anything like water-related is pretty terrifying. There's like monsters, sea monsters, in there. It's this place of chaos. And they're saying, in this moment, right, in this location, this this existential location we find ourselves in, in this place of great watery chaos and uncertainty, the response when you find yourself in that situation is you cry. I, I cry to you, O oh Lord. And what I love about this, this idea, I mean, this picture of, okay, chaos leads to crying to God, is that the Bible and scripture is utterly realistic about the hardship of life. It doesn't try to paper it over and just say, hey, like your circumstances, they're not real. It says, no, this is, this is terrible. Frustration of life for many, and there's many moments when it feels like things just aren't working out. And it says uh, to you, it, you know, the, the the you have to see the direction that the psalmist is talking about because in every moment of great uncertainty there is a choice: is it to you or away from you that you're going to move. The the reason why Job, right, and oldest book in the Bible, the reason why God looks at him and is very much affirming of him at the end is because he is complaining at times, frustrated but he's saying all these things to God, not away from God. Mm. And so what would it look like for you to have a to you, not away from you kind of situation, kind of response when it comes to moments of great uncertainty? Lord, just because things don't seem to be working out for me at the moment, I'm not moving away from you. What would it look like if we lived like that as a fellowship? Um, the, the Not only that, but... Um, watery chaos. Watery chaos, right? Um, the uncertainty of that. Just just double clicking on, on the degree of fear and uncertainty of something like that. Utterly realistic for you. And so if you start there, you just say, okay, uh, Lord, I, it seems that you, you acknowledge my position. You 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 affirm the reality of my present situation. You don't you don't tell me, hey, you know life is actually green and pretty right now. You say no no no. You we can acknowledge that things are really really difficult and uncertain and chaotic. What next? Verses five and six. The psalm says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. I uh, wait. For us, when we think about waiting, it's just the absolute worst. Because uh, we primarily picture like time. I remember uh, fourth grade, Miss Shortino's class, it's just the most boring thing ever. And the whole day, I mean, she was like quite the disciplinarian, and so you couldn't really like have fun. Uh, so you were just waiting for the clock to tick, And, and uh, the experience of that, right, is just like uh, when we think about the word wait, um, it's really just like, this agonizing powerlessness, and so when scripture's talking about, oh, I wait for the Lord, you're like, oh, I, do I really, do I want to do that agonizing powerlessness? The nemesis of the modern world where we should never feel powerless? Mm-hmm. But the statement, okay, uh-huh. the statement <laughs> is more properly understood as confidence. So the psalmist, right, in the original saying, I'm confident in the Lord. He also, uh, the psalmist the also says, um, in, the, in, in, the, in the Lord's word, I hope. Hope, you know, for us is, again, a little frustrating because it feels like airy and, and sort of like wishful thinking. And you know, wishful thinking, but you're mostly disappointed. Like, I hope the Yankees pull it together in this year. It probably won't happen. <laughs> and so when we think about, oh, in his word, I hope, it's like, well, that's not really a basis of any sort of confidence. I sort of hope that would happen. Mm-hmm. But the phrase is, is better understood as, as wait expectantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My soul waits expectantly for the Lord. In His Word, I wait expectantly. He's promised some things to me. Yeah. And I can't see it right now. He's told me that He's going to let me dance and serve Him and play and dream. Right now, I can't do any of those things. The phrase, the next one, my soul waits expectantly for the Lord my, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Okay, modern people, again, the, the picture is difficult, watchmen for the morning. Talks about sentinels, right, who are, who are on watch on the walls and they're, they're watching in the darkness for danger. And they're waiting expectantly for safety that daylight brings. Okay. I mean remember like this is pre-modern world there's no light very very dark there was this one time we went to the Poconos I think we were uh, like what 10 years old we are driving through and you know there's no stretch of like street light and so like Blair Witch Project was big at the time and so you know you get into like an empty stretch and then you're like oh okay let's turn off all the lights and you turn it off and it's just terrifying okay more than watchmen for the morning, you're waiting expectantly for safety that daylight brings. And the psalmist is saying, "Look, like more than more than the safety that daylight can bring, Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope in you. I'm gonna wait expectantly for you." Now, what do, what do people want? Like, what is it about? What is it about the safety that daylight brings? I was telling this to the different groups who were talking about this passage this week. Is what we really are looking for is visibility. Life feels so uncertain, we just want visibility into the future, and so it feels so it feels so terrible to not have visibility, it's so anxious inside, so all you wanna do is rush to the point where you can actually have visibility. But the problem with that is, um, most of the time, because of the number of projects and things and complicating ruptures of situations, relational and otherwise, like you just never have complete visibility. And so if we live our lives looking for the moment where visibility, where we have full visibility, we're just rushing forward into the future waiting for the next thing to pass only to realize it doesn't give us the visibility that we're looking for. We, we want so much to get ahead of something only to realize that we've lost the time because the whole time we were angsty about getting into the future. And time just runs. <laughs> And this is how we lose our lives. Because we're constantly pressing and living into the future. And the psalmist is saying, more than visibility into my uncertain many a certain situations, I just, I want to wait expectantly for you. And I just know that my greatest hope is functionally in understanding you're in full control of the situation. Because only that can allow me to be fully present where I am. And the prayer here, I mean, if, for us, is uh, what would it look like if, if you, uh, you know, at night when you're having trouble sleeping because you're so trying to outrun the future, you just pray, God, God would, would I want you more than I want visibility? Would, would I be more confident in you more than I'm confident in my capacity to see the future? What is it with that, right? Like, why? Um, I had an old pastor who, who said, said, Um, You know, for God, circumstances, results are easy. But character takes time. To be a people, faithful, waiting expectantly on the right things, which is the Lord, in the midst of challenging circumstances, what would that look like if you had that sort of confidence? Lord, I want you more than I want visibility. Your presence is my trust. And the question becomes, okay, so why do this? Because all this feels pretty exhausting. Why put the effort in? Better to just veg out on Hulu shows. <laughs> so what is the payoff? Okay, I miss I miss this. So the the so the first one is you acknowledge your in, your situation in watery chaos, and so you cry out to you. The second is you respond by waiting expectantly for you. We're waiting for you, Lord. The last, then, is what is the payoff? And you have to understand. You have to understand what the payoff here is. If you don't understand the payoff, then nothing makes sense. Okay? And catch it. Verse verse 4 and verse 7 has another preposition. The other verses have a 2 and a 4 in verse uh, 4, F-O-R. In in verse 4, it says, but with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Verse seven: A oh, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. Um, you have to understand what the payoff is. And the payoff, it says in verse 7, is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And for us, that doesn't feel too attractive. Because what does that even mean? <laughs> I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones. I say this often, probably like once every quarter, and I think it's worth saying um, in Jesus' storybook Bible, she talks about um, like uh, steadfast love. This concept, biblical concept of steadfast love, hesed, right? And, yeah, you, there's a C H sound. I can't do it without spitting on everybody. <laughs> Um, and she describes it as a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. That's what you get. That's the payoff. <laughs> this experience of God and His never giving up, never stopping, always and forever love. Um, it, we, in our Bibles, whenever you see the phrase steadfast love, just know that that's exactly like better described is what she is. What Sally Lord Jones is doing here with never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. We just don't. We like steadfast love doesn't quite capture it. And what you find in, in here is the payoff is a to you, for you, and with you kind of love. I, I used to work for this um, boss. Well, there's a pair of them. Not David. I worked for him, too. But before <laughs> David, so just, uh, he was, a, this this boss, I mean, like, you know, killers, right? So, yeah, uh, he was, like, really exacting and wanted so much for his kids. He had grown kids. He'd, you know, saved up all this money to send them to college. And then the, one of them was like, I don't even want to do that. And it led to some friction because you had this dad, he's like hard driving, you know, and then his son, he was like, yeah, I don't even want, I don't even care about the stuff that that you offer me. And so, uh, you know, they had some friction in their relationship. At one point, um, I think there was a counselor or somebody, but just encouraged him to ask his son, ask him the question, hey son, what do you think dad wants for you? And the son was like, well, you want me to perform, you want me to whatever, And I think that he understood in that moment there was like the friction in their relationship because what what he thought was good intentions of kind of like what's best for his kid. Um, His kid has just uh, experiences mostly like a a laundry list of things that he thought his dad wanted him to achieve, okay? What's the point there? Um, There could be some distance between you and God because you don't quite understand what he wants for you. And it might be worth asking in moments, right? When you're like unsure, you're like, Ask your heavenly dad, Lord, what is it? Father, what is it you want from me? Amen. Because I, I think when you ask the question from the front to the end of Scripture, realize like what he wants for you is a be with you kind of experience. Like, what is ultimate to him? What does he want for you? It's a with you. Like the ends, that's the ends. It's not your production. It's not your performance. Ultimately, from, from start to finish, all the scripture screams, a God who is never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love in pursuit of a world who's tried so often to reject him. The goal is intimacy with Jesus. Amen. Okay? so do we understand what it is the Lord wants for us ultimately like what he wants for you is a with you is a with you life and if he is after a with you life then even the hard things that we're experiencing the chaos and uncertainty they become you know not impediments to your best life now but opportunities for deeper, deeper intimacy. This is a famous quote, a preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He says, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me upon the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the waves. Will we be a fellowship of wave kissers? If it means greater intimacy with the Father. It, things are difficult. In your life, in the fellowship, in the school, in the world. Yes. But what if we saw each? I mean, not denying how terrible and awful, because the scripture doesn't do that. It's very realistic about how terrible these things are. But the promise, maybe not immediate, but sometimes in the future, that God could reach back into time and, and turn even the most devastating things into works of his redemption. I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me upon the rock ages. Are you living in a moment where you're just getting tossed around by the waves? More city example, uh, old mentor Jerry Root talks about visiting New York for uh, shortly after getting married and um, riding one of the subways, and it was during a you know, rush hour time, and more people would fill in. And he was recently married, and so yeah, they were standing next to each other, but then as people you know, would fill in the car, rush hour at each stop, more people would jump in, and the further apart they would get. More people would come in, the further apart they would get. And him realizing, you know, this is my bride. Um, swims through the crowd, Uh, football guy, so puts his arms around her, kind of strong. And so now at every stop, he says, instead of being pulled apart because his arms around her, the the force of the people coming in would only push them closer together. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens pushing them closer together. I've learned to kiss the way as throw me upon the rock of ages at every certain external circumstance pushing them closer. What we what would we be? What would what, what must it, what, what would our fellowship look like if we collectively could grieve and lament the difficult things together and be like, Yeah, that was unfair. That was really hard. But at the same time look at each other and say, hey, um, this only means that we, we have greater dependence on the Lord spirit dependence. Ultimately, verse 8 says this, and he the Lord will redeem Israel, substitute yourself for Israel there from all of all of Israel's iniquities, all the ways. Hey, scripture right is, is is so clear about the Lord wants intimacy with his people, but the greatest reason for that intimacy our sins, our, our ways that um, an imperfect people can 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 approach a holy, holy God. This is the reason for separation. And in scripture, what you find is that when Jesus shows up, this is exactly the distance that He came to deal with. We have reason to believe sometimes we think that when difficult things happen, God must be angry. But when we see the person and the work of Jesus and see the ways that the that, that God of the universe experiences soul crisis and chaos, the greatest chaos that the world could ever throw and swallows it up on the cross so that we could not have distance with him. The hope we have is that there, even when it feels like life is not working out for us and it will not at moments and times, feel like things are working out. We don't look at God and we say, why this isn't working out for me? Because for Jesus on the cross, it it was not working out for him. But what we believe is that what Jesus deals with on the cross is every sort of distance and separation we can have with the Father. And if the whole aim, you know, was uh, was you and your financial uh, net worth growing and um, career advancement alone and the perfect romantic relationship, um, then challenges wouldn't make any sense. But if the goal was intimacy with God, then all of these things become occasions for deeper and deeper intimacy. And so we come together on Sunday. Because we remember the great point of it all in the meal. That, that God, in His wisdom and love for us, chose to deal with the separation of His self. Okay. And the orienting picture of our world is not, you know, a rich influencer lifestyle on social media or celebrity, whatever, or CEOs of your company. The, the central organizing picture of, of how life makes sense happens at the meal. Okay, this is the picture we're driving to. That a God so loving, so wanting that there be no distance between him and his creation, sacrifices himself for the world. Conquers every sort of distance possible and says, "Life with me in the present will be the fullness of this union. This is our great hope. So through chaos and uncertainty in this life, we look forward to the next where the fullness of this promise is realized. We will be with him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you because even when it feels like things aren't working out, the wisdom of your truth shows us that the way that our expectations are working, uh, might not be in line with, the, with the, the full reality of what you're trying to do in the world. And so we, we thank you because uh, your paradigm is and your framework and your understanding that you give us um, is more existentially satisfying than any other paradigm that the world can offer. Lord, if, if our modern world tells us it's all about up and to the right, career success, Lord, you give us a different paradigm that is just so much more beautiful and more in line with reality. You don't deny the hardships that we experience and the uncertainty we're facing. But you, you make it so that these things are not able to separate us completely from, from you and your great love for us. So even on days when it's difficult, when we believe this truth, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.